How are you now? How are you right now? It's a long weekend, folks, and of course, your Montreal Canadiens have a little bit of action going on during it. Uh, hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake. <clears throat> and I'm starting to get a little bit sick, apparently, because uh, my voice is leaving me before we even get a minute into the podcast. So we'll see how this one goes. But uh, look, Montreal Canadiens taking on the uh, Washington Capitals, a team that they've already beaten this season. Um, and a team that, again, I think a lot of people are expecting them to challenge for a playoff spot uh, because they're not, like, they, they certainly haven't at least started a rebuild. They're probably on their way to one, but I think a lot of people still view them as a playoff threat. So. Um, if the Habs take another win off of them, you know, that's a, kind of a nice feather in their cap this season. But, you know, Team Tank is also watching this and going, well, we don't want to see you beat any teams above you in the standings. For sure, not teams that are very close to you in the standings uh, because that's going to have a, a pretty significant impact on the potential draft position that the Habs are going to get this summer. So uh, plenty to get to in this one. Before we get to it, however, I do got to talk to you about something real important because Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with live in-game betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today and get become part of the team. And remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Now, the Habs, well... Um, you know, they didn't start the game uh, nearly as bad as I thought they might. Um, it was half decent, uh, but things have a tendency to unravel a little bit quickly in Montreal. And, um, you know, the second line of Jake Evans, Josh Anderson gets stuck out there and uh, they're in the defensive zone a little bit longer than you might like to see them there. And, uh, you know, Jake Evans is pretty adept defensively, but his wingers are not exactly the most defensively inclined that you'll find on the Montreal Canadiens roster. And a weak point shot gets mishandled by Jake Allen. He drops it basically behind him, and Anthony Mantha just comes over there and taps it in. one nothing for the Washington Capitals. Really not a good look for Jake Allen there. You've got to be able to hang on to that shot. It was not coming at him very fast. Uh, I really don't think there was a good reason for, for that rebound to go uh, out where, the way that it did and, and lead directly to a goal. So as much as I wanted to blame the second line for getting stuck in their zone for so long, um, that, that's on Jake Allen, unfortunately. Shortly after that, though, Joshua Wag takes an entry pass and uh, just kind of stops up along the half wall, drops it up near the point for Arbor Jackeye, and the Sheriff absolutely pounds one through everybody and ties this game up at one. Midway through the period, though, Yoel Armia takes a tripping penalty. Caps, their power play is buzzing the entire time, and eventually it breaks through. TJ Oshie just standing in the slot, uncovered, and uh, takes a pass from former Hab uh, Max Pacioretty, and uh, he puts it up over Jake Allen. That makes it 2-1. to one. Can't blame Allen on that one. Not a whole lot that he could do about it. Uh, the Habs get their own power play uh, with about seven minutes on the nose to play in the period, and they muster one measly shot, from the, and it was from their second unit, not from their top unit. So not a great look on them on that power play. And However, if you looked at the you know the underlying numbers for that period, it wasn't bad. Um I think Washington definitely, yeah, they controlled the play more, but the Habs didn't look terrible in that first 20 minutes. 
they didn't look very good on that power play, but, you know, not a bad first 20 minutes overall. We get into the second period, and, you know, it's kind of sloppy hockey going on both sides. Really, neither of these teams look like playoff options this year. I don't know why people keep talking about Washington like they're going to somehow get in there, but alas, um, you know, it's just a bit of a sloppy game. And into the second half of the period is where the Habs started to actually look like the more dangerous team. Now, the sloppiness is holding them back a little bit, but they're starting to get opportunities. They're starting to make Darcy Kemper, you know, face some more difficult shots. And it's feeling like, you know, they, they might eventually be able to find something here. And then they do. Yoel Armia, uh, gets the puck into the offensive zone. He gets stripped, but when he gets stripped by the D, it goes directly to Alex Newhook streaking into the zone. Joshua Hoya is driving the net, so he's creating some traffic in front. Newhook takes a shot. It gets blocked. He pounces on the rebound from the block and whacks it right past Darcy Kemper and into the net. It's 2-2. Two to two. We're all tied up. Now, that was very late in the period. There was, I don't know, maybe three, four minutes left on the clock when that goes in. Uh, but from that point, uh, you know, the Habs looking a little bit more confident. We do go into the third period with a tie game. But early in the third period, the Caps just look like they, they want this game a whole heck of a lot more. Maybe they believe that they are uh, destined to eventually challenge for a wild card spot in the playoffs. Uh, Max Pacioretty, again, this time he just spins one out into the slot about four minutes into the period. Sonny Milano's there, and he makes it 3-2 to two for the Washington Capitals. And we get to midway point of the period, okay? Brendan Gallagher is driving into the net, and uh, he gets hooked by John Carlson. Now... They call the hook, but then on the replay, I look at it. Like, when they first called it, I, th- I saw it, and I went, good, good call. I see the replay, and I go, oof, that's just a stick lift, man. That should not be a penalty. That was an absolutely brutal call by the ref. And, uh, you know, of course, whenever there's a brutal call by the ref, you know the team that gets the power play is probably going to end up scoring just insult to injury, right? And and they do. The Habs, beautiful puck movement this time with the top unit out there. Uh, I mean, they were just snapping those passes back and forth to each other, and it goes from Nick Suzuki up to the point to um, Mike Matheson down to Uri Slavkovsky across. I think Alex Newhook may have got a tip on that one on its way back over to Nick Suzuki, but it doesn't matter. Nick Suzuki gets it and fires in his 20th goal of the year and ties this game up at three apiece. But very shortly after that, guess who? It's the second line of the Montreal Canadiens again. This time they're hemmed in the zone, Shot from the, the face-off dot gets stopped by uh, Jake Allen. Alexi Protoss comes in and gets the rebound, uh, makes it 4-3, to three, and there's three Habs just standing around in the slot looking at him. Um, Josh Anderson, one of those. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that second line. They either need to get their minutes cut or, you know what, we'll, we'll leave that for the, the end here after I get through the recap, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. There was still time on the clock. The, ha- the clock. The Habs still had a chance. Right, And they do, in the final minutes, they pull Jake Allen out of the net, uh, and they even get a power play on top of that. Newhook takes a high stick, so they're at 6-on-4 here with their top unit out on the ice. And, you know, they got a few really good opportunities. Uri Slavkovsky took two pucks on a platter from Mike Matheson, and he got robbed on one with a good shoulder save. Um, by Darcy Kemper, and the, the the next one I got blocked by a defenseman. Um, but those were with, with seconds on the clock. He almost sent that building into a frenzy with like one second left on the clock. Uh, just it just wasn't it just wasn't meant to be. Um, but they they did a good job at the end. They're trying to get that goal. Uh, four to three is your final in favor of the Capitals. I, I think Team Tank is probably enjoying that one. 
right? We, we got a close game. You know, they were in the fight all the way to the end. They didn't even take it to overtime, so there's no loser point. There's no two points. There's no points in the standings, and Washington moves a little bit further away from them, um, which definitely helps for the, the eventual draft lottery. And, um, yeah, I think a good one for the tank at the very least, but it still was kind of unfortunate. It would have been fun. You know, it's always fun to get a last-second goal and get into overtime when you don't necessarily, even if you don't necessarily want to be there, it, it is still fun. You got to admit it, right? So, you know, unfortunately, they couldn't get that, but at the same time, uh, a, a good one for the tank at the very least. Now, this brings me, before I get to any of the negatives, I do want to give you the silver lining of the night, uh, and I got two for you in this one, uh, and I think they're good ones, because you know what, for once, I get to move away from talking about the first line, Uri Slavkovsky, Nick Suzuki, and all them, uh, not to say they had a bad game, they had a great game, but I'm, I'm just excited to have some silver linings that don't have to be one of those three, and uh, the top one, number one, uh, definitely Alex Newhook, um, he was playing with some fire out there. Um, he, he looked like he, he wanted that game and he played a just fantastic game and, you know, he's looked pretty good since he came back from his injury. Uh, but this was for my money, his best game so far since he came back, uh, obviously got his first goal, which is big, but just the overall level, level of play, like he's flying out there, um, really going hard after pucks, uh, going to the net. Um, and he's, he's playing on a line with Yoel Armia and Joshua Hua. So he's got, uh, a guy who played most of his season so far in the AHL and is a rookie and another guy who got sent down to the AHL because you know he was kind of spare parts and the only reason he's back up right now is because the team's uh, facing some injury troubles so Newhook not given an easy task with what is uh, apparently the third line for the Montreal Canadiens I'll get to why I don't think that's the case uh, a little bit later here but um, he's doing a fantastic job as the pivot for that line he's really um, you know, looking like that, that injury is well behind him. Um, it, it's good news for the, for the rebuild. It's good news for that trade. Um, you know, and I don't think everybody was necessarily in favor of giving up a couple of picks to bring him in in the first place, but, um, we've seen some things from him when he's healthy that, that give us indications that, yeah, maybe he is worth, uh, the price of admission there on that trade. So I don't know. I, I think you got to like his game there and, uh, hopefully he can continue playing just like that for the remainder of the season because he's probably going to be stuck with you know with spare parts sometimes it's not always going to be I mean in in fact it's definitely not going to be the ideal lineup that he would probably be in however your second silver lining of the night is my boy Le Sniper Beauceron Josh Marouet who I thought played a fantastic game obviously got the setup on uh, the Arbor Jack High goal but outside of that uh, he was just disruptive. He was very disruptive for the Capitals in that game. He's picking off pucks. You know, he's turning pucks over in inopportune areas for the Capitals, and he's uh, creating a lot of space for his line mates out there. I think Yoel Armia really enjoys playing with Joshua Roy. I think the way that he is able to get back defensively and create havoc and, you know, turn pucks over. The fact that he's a shooting threat is another big thing. Uh, Hawaii had a couple of really good opportunities to get a goal himself in that game and got robbed by Kemper. So, you know, two guys on the same line that played, you know, an excellent game, um, both of which are young players, both of which still have a lot of racetrack ahead of them in their careers uh, and could be key pieces for this team. Like maybe you keep those two together and you just throw Kirby Doc in the middle next year and you see what happens. I think that could be a pretty interesting looking second line. You've got some good defensive responsibility. You've got shooters that can hurt you. You've got forechecking ability. Um, they could be a, a pretty capable number two to go behind uh, the top line that you've got now with your Slavkovsky on it. Uh, I'd like to see it at the very least. I don't think Alex Newhook is best suited at center. 
I think he's better suited on the wing. And I think uh, if, if him and uh, Hawaii are starting to develop a little bit of chemistry, why not explore that a little bit? And when Kirby Doc is healthy, you could throw him back in the middle. I think that'd be a great second line. And I, I think it'd be a heck of a lot better second line than what they were running, which, uh, you know, in terms of ice time at the very least, was uh, Tanner Pearson, Jake Evans, Josh Anderson. That line got run over by the Caps. Um, I, and I guess this takes me out of the uh, talking about my silver linings. And we've now moved on to the negatives. Um, Josh Anderson looks like a non-option out there right now. Uh, he skates really fast. Uh, we all know that. And he's a big boy. But he's not doing a whole heck of a lot of hitting anymore. Uh, he's definitely not doing a whole heck of a lot of scoring. And uh, he's a liability out there most of the time. They got to figure out a way to move on from this player. I really don't think that he has a place uh, in this rebuild. I think he's he's certainly an NHL player, and there's probably an NHL team out there that can find a role for him that would make sense. But his his cap hit just does not make sense for the Habs. He, you know, he's got the cap hit of like a second, third line player, really a second line player technically, and you, you can't use him there. He can't be on your second line. I think what they're trying to do with that line is they're trying to showcase Tanner Pearson. They, they played, um, sorry, I'm pulling up stats while I do this. They played 11 minutes and 16 seconds uh, at even strength, whereas the, the Hawaii Newhook and Armia line only got 9 minutes and 46 seconds. And the Hawaii Newhook-Armia line was head and shoulders better. So, look, <laughs> there's just, there's no reason for that to be your second line other than I'm trying to showcase guys for a trade. And if that's what you're trying to do, it's having the opposite effect because they look brutal out there. Uh, you you got to go in a different direction. Um, that's not going to get it done. So cut their minutes, try to get them out there against lesser competition. I don't know. Uh, I really, if I had the answers, I'm sure that I'd be employed as a coach in the NHL. Um, but it's it's not it's a non-option. It's it's hurting the value of Tanner Pearson, and it's it's definitely kneecapping any ability that you may have or that you may have had to uh, to trade Josh Anderson to another team. So. Uh, didn't love that whatsoever. Uh, your second line should be the one that I already outlined. Uh, you got two guys out there that had a really good game. And honestly, I should mention Yoel Armia as well. I, I thought he played pretty well in that game outside of his penalty. That being said, it, it was not just the second line that was that was bad. The fourth line was... Whew, so they had uh, Pizzetta with uh, Gignac and Brennan Gallagher as the fourth line. Uh, they got run over as well. I think... It's it's hard for me to get upset about that though because that's your fourth line. Sometimes your fourth line is going to get run over. That's just the nature of the game. Um, as long as they're mostly just killing clock for you and they're not you know getting the net filled whenever they're out there, it's okay. Um, in this particular game, I mean they were outchanced pretty heavily. Um, it's just. They only got scored on once, though, so, I mean, I, I can't sit here and, and get too upset about it. The Anderson-Evans-Pearson uh, line got scored on twice, so, you know, go figure. The bigger problem was the second line, but the fourth line was also not very good, so they got some work to do. The The good news is, I, I had mentioned this uh, in, in the last couple of episodes when I was constantly putting the first line out there as a silver lining, um, that they need to build, you know, effective lines to go around that. And it, it seems like your your second line is starting to take shape there, right? New hook's an option. Keeping him with Joshua Hawaii is an option. Throw Kirby Doc in there. I think that could be interesting. So they're 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 getting closer to to, to maybe having a second line and we'll see what they do in the offseason to add other players uh, in the draft or or through free agency and maybe they can build some other lines that could be effective as well. So 
there's a team coming along here. It's just a question of, you know, how and when that's going to happen. Um, and then the top line, I, I guess since I've talked about all the other lines, I might as well talk about them. They were they were perfect in that game. They were great. They were great. They just couldn't score at even strength. Um, obviously, they, they ended up getting one, uh, but that was on the power play. But at even strength, I mean, it was surprising that they didn't score. They had an 80.49% expected goals for percentage. That's you expected to score 80.49% of the goals. Their actual expected goals was two. They were expected to have 2.04 goals at even strength in that game, and they had zero. So, you know, that's really on, you know, good, timely shot blocks and Darcy Kemper, really. Uh, in, in If they played that exact game, the, the way that the top line played it, with the minutes that they had against the people that they played against, uh, you know, normally they're probably scoring two, maybe even three. So, yeah. Again, Team Tank is going to thank him for it. Team Tank didn't want to see him score two or three because then uh, they would have won the game. They would have got the two points that uh, they don't really need. So, um, you know, it, it all works out in the end. And, you know, last thing I got to talk about, I guess, is Jake Allen. Um, I know there were rumors the other day, and I, I mentioned it on the podcast, and I said, hey, well, if there's rumors, who knows? If, if rumors can come up, then maybe there's a possibility he gets traded. Um Look, there's only one goal that I blame him for, and it was that first one. You know, you, you let that, that shitty rebound come squeak right out the other side and just land behind you, basically, so that a player can just tap it into the net. That's not good. Um, there's just too many of those right now for me to really see a trade happening. I I don't want to sit here and say it's not going to happen, because then, of course, if I do that, I'm setting myself up to look like a donkey when fucking Kent Hughes somehow makes a trade and makes it a beautiful trade uh, and completely surprises everybody. Uh, so I'll just say at this point, I think it's really unlikely, and I will be so happy if, if Kent Hughes can figure out a trade for him. Um, number one for him, I think he needs a change of scenery where he can actually play games regularly. Uh, he's not getting enough action in Montreal. And number two for the Habs, because the, this three-goalie thing is not working. They need to get back to, you know, the normal one-two. You know, you got a starter and you got a backup, and uh, you run those guys depending on how you see fit, right? Or if you go to a back-to-back, maybe sometimes your starter's going to take two of them, or other times your backup's going to take the weaker team, like whatever you want to do. But you need to get to that, because like Caden Primo, who I think most people would agree is probably the second goalie that we'd like to keep behind Samuel Montembeau, um, he needs action as well. The same thing that I said for Allen, like he needs to be playing more. You need to give him a backup role and see, all right, well, where's he at? Um, and then make a decision on him moving forward because it's it's really, I don't think it's fair to anybody at this point. The only person who's getting enough action to, to really say that they're, you know, full-time NHL goalie is, is Montembeau. The other two, they got to split what's left spend a lot of time in the press box. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting to a point where I think it's really affecting their performances because last year I, I didn't see Jake Allen giving up shitty rebounds like that. He gives up some rebounds. Sure, all goalies give up rebounds, but he usually had quite good rebound control, and this year his rebound control seems to be nil. I, I think it's having an impact on him. I think they need to move away from that. Uh, they need to need to trade a goalie at the, as soon as possible. I don't know. Um, I think that's about all I've really got to get into in that game. Um you know, not a bad game from the Habs, but Team Tank, again, they're going to thank you for that one. They're going to be happy that you didn't take home two points because you don't need them. So um, nothing to really be too upset about. Just kind of, you know, there there's things that, that have to change before uh, next year comes around, but nothing that really needs to happen at this precise moment. So 
Um, overall, you know, I, I'd give this one a, a B minus if I had to grade it as a game. Um, a B minus, and Ovechkin didn't score, so we we didn't contribute to him potentially breaking uh, Gretzky's record. So um, I think I'll cut it off there. Uh, what are we running? Right around twenty minutes. So since since we're les employees de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.